Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode 40, in which I'm going to talk about why I believe a curious faith is better than dogma and doubt. In American Christianity today, particularly in kind of evangelical circles and on Twitter, on Facebook, it's kind of cool to be a Christian who openly doubts his Christian faith. <laughs> you hear many people, especially in evangelical circles, who vocalize the doubts about their faith and the dogmatic systems of belief that they've perhaps been raised and exposed to for so many years. And so many ultimately take a journey that leads them through a period of doubt and quote-unquote deconstruction. People ask questions about the sacred cows of our faith, things which are supposed to never, ever, ever be in question, let alone openly doubted. And such questions are often met with a sleight of hand or hostility or simply responding with rote dogma that rings kind of on the hollow side. Sensing uh, that they may be hoodwinked by people with vested interest in political and religious power systems who offer cute and lazy answers, many of these uh, doubters and deconstructionists ultimately call BS on everything that they hear offered to them, and then they proceed to turn around and burn everything that they've known about faith and life and Jesus and the Bible to the ground. Um, and there would be many who would identify themselves with the popular hashtag, uh, hashtag that's pretty uh, popular this, these days. It says hashtag, hashtag exvangelical, um, meaning that they are ex-evangelical. They consider themselves probably still Christian, um, but uh, definitely not of the evangelical Billy Graham sort of variety that has been popularized uh, here in America. And you know what? I kind of sympathize with these folks. You know, I've seen it myself. And, you know, truth be told, uh, having been firmly rooted in evangelical faith for a while, having gone to a uh, Pentecostal Bible college and an evangelical seminary, um, you know, I've kind of engaged in that sort of mindset myself. I've come up with cute memorized formulas and uh, things to say to people who raise objections and, you know, scoff at uh, the Christian faith or claims of evangelical Christians. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, re regret a lot of that because now I'm kind of in the place in, in, in this day and age of my faith at the ripe old age of 37 years old, uh, where I've kind of grown tired of such things and realized that, um, memorized formulas that end up just simply being repeated, uh, by folks who clearly never wrestled with the truth or asked hard questions of themselves or of others or of people in power, um, you know, you kind of uh, start to resent all that. And it kind of starts to stink because it comes off as highly insincere. Um, and, you know, dealing with people who have dogmatic one-answer 
sort of responses to everything um, and never seemed to wrestle with the wide variety of competing claims and counterclaims that exist out there uh, claiming to be the truth. It's hard to take such people who would claim to, to have a monopoly on truth uh, very seriously uh, when you see so many people out there claiming to have monopolies on truth. Um, and when you hear such answers from people who truly just appear interested in preserving the status quo, um, then doing the hard thing and entering into meaningful dialogue with folks who are on a journey, um, you know, a lot of people get hurt in the process. And the answers that many of these folks provide are, you know, just simply inflexible truths that make no room for possibility, nuance, paradox, or the possibility that such individuals espousing such things may be wrong um, and that others might indeed have a valid perspective. It, it's it's kind of hard to take people who make such outrageous claims seriously. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I sympathize a lot of with the ex-evangelical crowd um, because, you know, I've seen it, I've participated in it, um, and, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of it stinks and nobody likes it. Um, and nobody wants to feel like they're, they're being hoodwinked, um, or, or taken as a sucker, especially when it's clear, um, you know, somebody is interested in just making you go away more than anything. Like take, for example, the topic of young earth creationism and, uh, a global, flood such as is depicted in the Bible and regarding Noah. Well, based, based purely on biblical texts alone, um, you know, there's definitely something to support the line of interpretation that the earth is a lot billier, uh, a lot younger than the billions of years um, people would claim. Um, and that uh, evolution as a theory might be a little on the sketchy side when you look at things purely from a biblical text um, and a biblical text alone. Now, I, and I say this, um, you know, as somebody who would kind of consider themselves in that, uh, that camp. And I don't know what that might mean for you to hear that sort of thing for me to confess, but uh, yeah, I believe in a literal seven-day creation and I believe in a global universal flood um, I personally believe those things, um, but you know, I definitely understand that there's room to kind of, uh, raise a flag at such notions, especially when you start looking outside the Bible and simply start looking at the world around you. And as you explore all the things that you can learn from other, uh, academic disciplines outside of the realm of theology, like when you start looking at history and when you start understanding biology and when you start looking at physics and geology, um, archaeology and, you know, all those other ologies, <laughs> you know, you see that there's plenty of reason uh, to doubt the, the claims of a literal hard truth about young earth creationism and a global flood because, well, frankly, it just doesn't look like any of that happened uh, when, you, when you look at things apart from the Bible. And, 
you know, so people start saying, well, wait a second, what's the deal here? You know, um, you know, it's not, it doesn't take much more than a high school or college level introduction history or biology class or science class of some sort, um, to kind of come, uh, at the notion and scoff at the idea. Um, because if you were, you know, purely using a young earth creationism, uh, sort of perspective, if you were to try to date, uh, Noah's flood, you know, it'd be roughly about 2,500 to 3,000 years BC. Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, hard to, uh, you know, take such claims seriously when you look at history and see that there were, uh, you know, some societies that were alive and thriving and kicking and screaming um, during that period. And the historical record seems to bear that out quite nicely. And, uh, you know, there doesn't appear, based off any geologic evidence, to confirm the idea that the entire world was uh, flooded. You know, that just, that evidence doesn't seem to exist. And, you know, there may be those who who uh, kind of come along and try to poke holes in, in, in those rebuttals. But, uh, well, it's kind of hard to take such people seriously when the overwhelming evidence seems to indicate that um, the world has developed in a way other than what a plain literal uh, reading of the scriptures might actually um, wound themselves to the idea of. Um, and then it sits there, you know, seeing such things, um, you start saying, well, how do I reconcile such things? You know? And it's that's a good, honest question to ask. And, and I feel it's a question that not many people have asked. And, you know, maybe I, I sit there and, and think, well, maybe you can't reconcile such things. Or maybe you can. Um, but uh, the more I've ever seen of the literature on, on such things, and I've, I've read a bit, um, you know, I'm not so sure you can reconcile such an interpretation of the scripture with what we see um, from the natural sciences and history um, and such things. But um, as evangelicals, I believe, even and as one who believes in kind of a young earth and a literal uh, worldwide global flood that happened under uh, Noah, um, but as an evangelical, I believe uh, we would be stupid and foolish to simply sit there and engage in the type of apologetics that we do on these sort of topics um, in the manner that we presently do it. Simply declaring such things as a lie from hell and shutting down everyone who says otherwise as idiotic um, and then sitting there and taking cheap shots at holes in the theory of evolution or the history of the world um, and being kind of um, reckless in the way we handle science and the way we handle the interpretation of history sometimes um, is simply idiotic and dumb and it's frankly disingenuous and it in my opinion simply cannot be taken seriously so with that in mind I think we should be very cautious as evangelicals as Bible believing Christians um, who get rigidly dogmatic about such topics, um, especially when it is evident from a combination of disciplines um, that there is room for exploration and room for possibly being wrong about 
you know, some things. Maybe some theories that we may hold to firmly uh, on good square theological, um, rigid, historical, grammatical interpretations of the Bible. Um, Maybe such theories may have some weaknesses that we may ultimately have to revisit and uh, admit that, you know, maybe we're wrong about some things. You know, maybe that would be a better approach instead of trying to say some of the nonsense like you see uh, Ken Ham and others engaging in uh, when you, you know, see about how uh, Noah was alive at the time of the dinosaurs. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of hard to, to believe there, Kenny. Um, and I'm kind of one who would probably be more in your camp than not. Um, but some of the things you say are just ridiculous and impossible to believe. And I say that as a uh, Bible-believing evangelical Christian. So I think instead of simply coming up with cute little answers and trying to make demons out of everybody, um, we should simply recognize that there are tensions in this world uh, and there are tensions when there comes to things regarding the truth Uh, Things regarding theology, things regarding history, science, um, and all that sort of stuff. That uh, you put it all together in a bowl and shake it up, um, and it doesn't exactly always mix the way we would like it to mix. Um, And we should, as Christians, I believe, as evangelical Christians, we should recognize that we may not have all the answers to everything. Uh, Things which we regularly make bold and confident assertions. Um, And simply, instead of dismissing all the naysayers who genuinely question such things in light of other evidence, we should recognize that there's an opportunity here. And that opportunity is to ultimately journey with others and invite them to have a seat at the table uh, with us as we hash out things as brothers and sisters in Christ. And instead of being rigidly dogmatic about every single thing, I think instead of that, and instead of being a people who try to make a virtue out of doubt and deconstruction, I propose an alternative. We should have a curiosity about our faith. We should have a curious faith that lets us ask hard questions and then acknowledge the facts that other disciplines uh, outside of the realm of theology Uh, may ultimately discover. And let us, at the end of the day, take us wherever the truth takes us. And that's not to sit here and cast some sort of doubt on the Word of God or or any such thing. Um, As much as I believe uh, the Bible is the inspired and errant and authoritative Word of God um, and all the stuff that comes with that, (laughs) you know, um, I recognize, hey, there is, you know, that, that same Bible talks about how, um, you know, nature reveals things about God. Um, and that, uh, you know, the, the, glo- the heavens declare the glory of God. And, you know, something of the fingerprints of God are ultimately to be found in all of creation according to good theology. Um, so while we have the Bible on the scriptures as our authoritative uh, statement um, that God has handed down to this world for the faith once and all handed down to the saints. Um, We should be careful about the things we say that the Bible says 
um, especially in light of the fact that the Bible, you know, challenges us to look at such things as what we can learn from nature about God. And while you may sit there and think, oh, Jimmy, but what about the, the, the way special revelation uh, trumps natural revelation? Well, you know, there may be some truth to that, too. Uh, special revelation may trump re- natural revelation and theology might, if I might be so bold uh, as to say, is the, is the ultimate queen of all the sciences, um, no matter what those sciences are. Um, we should still be cautious and show that there is room in our faith and our tradition as Bible-believing evangelical Christians for people to wrestle with the truth and to take them on a journey that the curiosities that they might have about uh, theology and science and history might ultimately take them. So while we shouldn't, you know, turn doubt and deconstruction into a movement that enshrines these virtues, um, this isn't some sort of, uh, you know, Christianity is not the Socratic method on crack. Um, you know, as, as great as the Socratic method can be. Um, you know, we should look at these questions that people ask, and we should applaud them for asking such questions. Um, but then we should also simply invite, I believe, people to follow along. That even knowing as Christians who are steeped in our faith, who, who you know, believe God and take his word at what he says, um, that you should, um, you know, be willing to ultimately journey with such people, knowing that even the most essential of biblical truths, such as who Jesus is and what he did, um, aren't truths that are usually grasped overnight. And that such truths um, are often discovered as part of a process, uh, and that process can be a long and slow and painful journey. Most of us just didn't hear the gospel the first time and then, you know, say, oh, wow, that makes total sense. I'm going to believe that. <laughs> you know, uh, I've never heard this gospel thing before, so I'm going to believe it the first time I hear it. Most of us aren't on that realm. There, I'm not to say there haven't been some people that have definitely heard the gospel for the first time ever and thought, yes, that's exactly what I've been waiting to hear all these years. Um that does happen. It definitely happened in the Bible, and it's happened throughout the history of the church. Um, but I think you would also see, like in the Bible and throughout the history of the church, that uh, such things aren't often grasped overnight. Um, and even the closest follower of Jesus, as we see throughout the Gospels, um, even the apostles struggled with essential truths about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And even after the resurrection... You know, there was still some, uh, you know, ground to be broken on those things um, and truths to be discovered and learned. Um, So let us be careful, I think, when it comes to bitterly fighting about these theological and culture wars that we we so often engage in and so boldly take some of the ridiculous stances that we do in ways that, you know, could never be meaningful to somebody else who disagrees with our perspective on things. Um, Because even though there may be occasions for which we need to draw lines in the sand um, and make bold, rash statements, um, you know, sometimes Jesus just set off truth bombs in the street and walked away without explanation. Um, But uh, more often than not, these things are learned slowly 
and gradually over time as folks are drawn closer and closer into the orbit and realm of Jesus Christ. And such things are, I think, I believe, ultimately a process and a journey. And I believe often the path of discovery that one ends up traveling in order to discover these things can be just as important as the end destination. So if we come along and cause one of these little ones to stumble, according to Jesus, it would have been better for a millstone to be wrapped around our neck and us thrown in the sea. And I think we should look at all people who are, you know, having sincere questions about the things of our faith, about the truths we believe regarding Scripture and Jesus and, and various interpretations of the Bible. We should all treat such ones, you know, I believe, as if they were, you know, little babes um, who uh, we are ultimately, you know, if we're not careful, may cause to stumble um, and prevent such individuals from coming to Jesus. And, you know, just as Jesus said, it'd be better if you should cause one of these little ones to stumble, uh, that it would be better for such a person just to throw themselves into the sea and sink to the bottom and swim with the fishies. <laughs> so the path of discovery is often just as important as the end destination. And we should be careful not to kick people off that path of discovery uh, to prevent them from discovering the very Jesus that wants to take a hold of them and save them uh, and make them into his image. And I'm reminded of this, of uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 39, where it says, Again, the next day, John was standing with his two disciples, and, and they looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, and they said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to him, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come, and you will see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about the tenth hour. You know, I think we need to realize a lot of people are kind of like uh, these two disciples following John. They see somebody say, hey, there's Jesus. You know, go check him out. And they approach Jesus and they want to see what Jesus is up to. They're not quite sure what to make of Jesus quite yet. But, you know, they're willing to dwell with him. And they're willing to follow him. And they're willing to seek after him. Um, and at the end of the day, he's willing to say to them, come and you will see. So let's trust Jesus here, that Jesus, you know, who's ultimately the shepherd of our faith uh, for all who believe and the source of all truth um, and the source of all faith. Um, let's trust Jesus, that Jesus knows how to make disciples of all nations. Jesus knows how to make disciples of people who doubt who he is and have questions and curiosities. But and to such people, Jesus, I believe, still stands there and says, come, and promises them, you will see. And then he invites them simply to follow him and to hang out with him so that over time, their eyes can be opened, so that they can see the truths that they need to see. But they're probably not going to get there overnight. And that's okay. I didn't get there overnight. I, my, my path uh, to discovering a lot of biblical truth was that was 
fraught with many doubts and fears and skepticisms and um, things that, you know, really tested my faith. Um, as a, as uh, somebody who got saved when they were in their late teens, you know, I kind of had a hard time reconciling a lot of these truths that I was seeing in Scripture with the world that I had already knew um, to be true um, and was still learning about yet. Um, you know, in community college when I was taking some science classes, you know, I took geology, I took physics, I took biology, uh, and I knew those claims. Um, and they have not been the smartest kid in uh, science class and uh, the smartest history student ever, but, uh, you know, I definitely understood what was up with uh, the, the, the claims of these various disciplines and Wrestling with those things in light of things that I ultimately discovered about the Bible was very difficult for me. Um, and I had, you know, bigger doubts about the things that I read in the scriptures beyond, you know, how many days it took God to create the world and whether or not there was a flood. You know, I, I doubted even things about claims about the divinity of Jesus and the Trinity and, and things that were actually more essential uh, to, to, to the truth and central claims of Christianity. Um, than whether or not uh, history unfolded in a certain manner. So, you know, but here I am today as a, you know, as I would regularly say, a Bible-believing, evangelical, spirit-filled Christian, you know. Um, I believe uh, in a literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in a literal second coming. Uh, I believe that Adam and Eve were historical, real people. I believe... Uh, that a flood really happened uh, that killed everything once upon a time. I really believe that. But you know, have I reconciled all those things? No, I haven't. And I stopped attempting to reconcile those things a long time ago, except to say that I recognize that there are competing claims and that there is a line of an interpretation of the scriptures that I personally agree with, having you know, considered all sorts of other interpretations about, you know, different ways of looking at Genesis and allegorical methods and, you know, uh, midrashic methods and, and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, I, I consider those things, and I, but I still ultimately hooked on to what I believe uh, the Bible says about such things. But at the same time, I have no problem saying, uh, and this may make some of my fellow evangelicals who believe my line of interpretation of Scripture um, a little uncomfortable, but I also believe that, uh, you know, science shows that the earth is billions of years old, uh, and that, uh, history doesn't show or validate that there was a flood and neither does the scientific evidence. How to make sense of such things? I don't know, but I realized a long time ago, I didn't have to figure such things out. Um, that even though I pursue the, the line of interpretation that I do regarding the scriptures, um, I ultimately recognize that uh, it's all up into God's hands anyway. And if I happen to be wrong about my literal interpretation of Scripture um, regarding Genesis and the flood and all sorts of things like that, um, you know, that's something I'm okay with. And I would never, <laughs> I would never, you know, keep somebody from believing in Jesus um, simply because they couldn't hash out those other truths. Uh, and if they, you know, were comfortable regarding another interpretation of Genesis, um, even though I might not be comfortable with that interpretation, you know, that's okay with me. Uh, as long as they ultimately believe that uh, Jesus Christ died for them on a cross and 
rose uh, again three days later and lives forevermore and promises to come yet again. If they believe those things, um, then, you know, they're my brother and sister in faith. And I, and I hope uh, above all that they believe those things because people aren't saved um, by believing a certain interpretation of uh, Genesis. They are saved and, and come to know the Lord because they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And, uh, you know, so let's, let's focus on helping people believe those things. Uh, because I think if people can believe those things, then the rest of it will ultimately work itself out in the end. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy'sTable.com, episode 40, where I talk about how a curious faith is better than dogma and doubt. Let's not sit here and bash people with dogma, and let's not sit here and champion doubt as some sort of virtue. But let's instead promote a curious faith, a faith that encourages people to journey with Jesus and to discover who he is from him so that they can learn these biblical truths themselves sitting at the feet of their master. Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day, folks. And most people don't get there unless there's a divine curiosity placed in them that causes them to seek after those things. Jimmy'sTable.com. Email me, jimmy at jimmy'sTable.com. Find me on Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. Um, This has been episode 40. Take care, everybody, and God bless. Air Smudge.